Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. I have two guests today, and both are named Chris. Today, my guests are Chris Wig, uh, the member, member of the Willamette Lane District Board and chair of the Democratic Party of Lane County, and Chris McAllister, co-founder of Carry It Forward and the chair-elect to the Poverty and Homelessness Board in, or in Springfield, Oregon. Is that correct, or is it Lane County? It's Lane County, and I am a co-director, not co-founder of Carry It Forward. I mess it up every time. So, so <clears throat> thanks for doing this, guys. Uh, this is really cool. We're here today, bonus uh, panel discussion about the sudden vacancy in the mayor's position in Springfield, Oregon. And so we have a few topics we want to discuss that this is a very crucial time for voters and for people that follow this uh, situation to be paying close attention because what happens moving forward is going to be very telling about the next couple years in Springfield. I think all three of us are Springfield residents. So for us, this is very, very big. And uh, so, yeah. So first of all, I want to talk, uh, Chris McAllister, I wanted to ask you because as a non-affiliated owner, your input is very important on this because we're going to see how now, uh, Chris Wig, real quick, tell us what's going to happen. Like what's coming next for, how she'll be replaced. And then Chris McAllister, I have a question for you. So Chris Wig, tell us how that's going to, the process will happen. Sure. So the first thing to say is thank you to Mayor Lumberg for her 10 years of service. Um, no one saw this coming, uh, that this is a very sudden announcement and that as far as I can tell, everyone was caught by surprise. And uh, something that concerned me is I have seen uh, on some of the articles, the comments, and the Facebook posts, uh, some insinuations of foul play, and that I just want to put out there that there's no indication of any sort of foul play or um, anything untoward around the vacancy. It appears that the mayor is experiencing a personal situation that is significant enough that would cause her to resign without notice and that everyone is caught by surprise. And so I think that the first thing to say is just thank, thanking her for her service and to say that our hearts are with her, whatever the situation is, we don't know what it is, but you know, the fact that she cares about the city, whether I, I don't agree with her politics, but that it is uncontroverted that she cares about the city. And so I just wanna offer my thanks and my heart goes out to her. Uh, what is gonna happen, what it looks like is, and we're still waiting to see uh, uh, a written opinion from the city attorney on this, but it looks like since 
Mayor Lumberg had a majority of votes in the primary election that she wins outright. And so that it does not look like there's going to be another election this year for the mayor position. What it looks like is that the city council will appoint someone to serve as mayor until 2022 and that normally the mayor would not be up until 2024, but that there will be a special election during the primary of 2022, the May primary, when there will be uh, an election for Springfield mayor, along with Springfield County Commissioner, uh, state senator from Springfield and state representative from Springfield. So in three council seats. So that is putting that 2022 year up to be a really important year for politics in Springfield about the future of the community. A lot of seats are going to be decided at that time. And so I think that uh, right now, what it's looking like is the council will be discussing starting in September, uh, who will fill that spot for the next two years. And in the meantime, the council president, who is uh, Councilor Joe Pichoneri, will be serving uh, as the interim mayor on a temporary basis. And how that works is, you know, uh, the temporary or interim mayor chairs the meetings and can work on some of the appointments, but that they don't have extra votes. Um, you know, if they, if they don't get to vote twice, uh, once as mayor and once as a counselor, that, that they're going to work that out. And then I expect, um, my hope is that in September, there will be an open process where anybody who wants to serve as mayor can apply. And the city councilors will, um, that they will have a open public process, discussion, interview the candidates in public, have finalists deliberate that and select someone. Uh, historically, I'm, I'm told by Senator Beyer, who's been doing this for about 40 years, that in the last 40 years, this has happened four times that a mayor has resigned. Three times a, count, a city councilor was selected to serve out the term. And the fourth time was a former city councilor. So I think that um, the most likely thing that will happen will be a current counselor will be chosen to serve that two years. But my hope is that they don't limit the deliberation or the applications to just counselors that anybody, uh, Chris McAllister and I, if we see fit and Patty Rose, all three of us, we could all put our names into the hat, uh, the sorting hat, if you will, if that is something that people want to do. I think that having a wide breadth of candidates is the best thing for the city, sure. um, especially at this, at this time. Right. So Chris McAllister, as a non-affiliated voter, uh, not Chris Wick, that I don't want to hear your input. We'll get to that in a second. But Chris McAllister, uh, you know, you ran for city council, so you have now gotten more acquainted. Uh, your run was unsuccessful, but it was very, it was a very good run as a non-affiliated voter. Uh, got a lot of support. Who would you see fit? Who is somebody, you know, off the top of your head that you have met that you would see would, would do a good job going forward? Well, that's a tough one. If we're taking in viable and what precedent sets, as Chris mentioned, that the uh, prerequisite in our town has been essentially a city councilor or former city councilor. And of the uh, of the current council, there's uh, only so many who have like the ability to uh, both represent uh, what we have going on and uh, have an eye for the future. Um, we have... Uh, Councilor Van Gordon, who represents the Gateway area. He was former council president. He is someone who certainly comes to the forefront as a, a viable option. He's been sitting in on some of the, uh, the homeless and poverty uh, conversations. He's been talking to businesses a lot. We also have uh, Councilor Marilee Woodrow, who oversees the, uh, uh, the HSC, the Human Service Commission, 
which tackles a lot of our community uh, uh, items. We have Miss Sherry Moore, Councilor Moore, who's on her way out, so that doesn't necessarily seem like it would fit the mold. And we have Councilor Stare, Stare who's doing uh, a lot of work in the community and is out of town a lot, and so I'm not sure if that would also fit his mold. We have Councilor Mo, who's been uh, relatively new, and we have Councilor uh, Joe Pishnery, who is the uh, uh, current council president. So they all have strong cases and ways that they would represent. But uh, uh, of the two that really jump out, it would be uh, uh, Councillor uh, Van Gordon, uh, mostly because of how in tune he is with the issues that the community seems to be raising. Uh, he was one of the people that uh, really, I think, was influential when the, uh, the ICE vote happened and the city turned about face and went in a totally new direction than what it had originally planned at the beginning of the year. Right. Now, Chris Wig, uh, I'd like to hear kind of your input on who you might think would be someone that would be in a good spot to, you know, take over the position. Uh, yeah. So who, who would you think? <clears throat> so my first preference would be that the city council would appoint Mike Eister to serve as mayor. Uh, Mike Eister got more votes in his losing council or uh, his, his, he ran for mayor and he came up short, mm -hmm. he got more votes than any of the councilors have gotten before, sure. um, which I think shows a really broad, uh, and deep bench of support for him. So I think that he is, should be the number one choice. However, uh, if the council sticks to precedent and appoints one of its own members, I think that the logical best choice um, by head and shoulders is Councillor Steve Moe. Uh, Councillor Moe, while he's new to the Springfield City Council, he is not new to the processes of Springfield government, serving on both the planning commission and the county planning commission uh, multiple times starting back in the 80s. And so he has a deep uh, reservoir of goodwill with members of Democrats, Republicans, and non-affiliated voters. Mm -hmm. He's not a Democrat. So I hope that the listeners don't, uh, you know, pillory me in the comments too hard for recommending a non-Democrat for the position. Uh, normally that would not be my go-to, but I think that he just brings a very, uh, he has a, a lot of different experiences in government. And so that that's a person who I think everybody can get behind because we know that Sean Van Gordon wants to run for another term. Like he doesn't want to serve just two years and drop mm -hmm. off. And that that I think would give anybody who's appointed to the position, if they are, don't commit to not run, that would give them an advan the advantage of incumbency in the special election, which should be for an open seat. And so my preference would be that Steve Moe would be the mayor for the next two years and that then Sean Van Gordon and Mike Iser or whomever can duke it out in the election and the voters can decide who the mayor will be going forward. Mm -hmm. right. You know, one thing needs to be at least touched on uh, if it hasn't already, but the mayor is supposed to be a nonpartisan, you know, spot. It's supposed to be a nonpartisan uh, position. So I think that your endorsement of somebody outside of your own comfort zone, I think is really admirable. <laughs> so that's good. So two of the things, the major issues that, that Lane County faces and as well, you know, specific to Springfield are currently are policing and homelessness. So that's the two of you, why I wanted to come on and talk to you. Chris Wig, I had talked to you off air about what exactly, uh, you know, this could mean for Springfield and for Lane County, this vacancy and some of your thoughts and what is the most pressing issues. And you had said, uh, you know, policing and, and what's going on with the, with the policing in Springfield. So let's talk about that. And then Chris McAllister, after that, we'll get into talking a little bit about homelessness and how this, uh, 
change in, in leadership can affect what's happening for the local homeless. So Chris Wig, uh, we had talked off air about talking about the police brutality at the Black Lives Matter March in Thurston. Let's start with that. You know, we want to talk about that and a lack of accountability with the police uh, advisory committee. So speak on that. Sure. So I, I think that, of course, the number one issue that the new mayor is going to face is the remobilization of Springfield's economy. I think that Democrats, Republicans, and everybody would agree that that is a, like the top tier concern. And that's not just in Springfield. That's in Lane County. That's in Eugene. That's in Oregon. That's in the nation. And every jurisdiction inside of it is that this is, we're experiencing an unprecedented economic slowdown uh, in American history. And so that handling that situation at the local, the state, and the federal level is the top priority. Because, you know, when you talk about like an economic situation, that sounds pretty cold and clinical. But what we're really talking about is the ability of Springfielders, Oregonians, and Americans to be able to put food on their table, to be able to keep the lights on and the heat on in the winter that's coming up, being able to uh, pay their rent or their mortgage. So it's, it's not just about uh, economy, right? It's about people. So that's number one. But number two in Springfield right now, I believe, is that the new mayor is going to be inheriting a real cluster involving the Springfield police uh, that you brought up the Thurston. Uh, there was a Black Lives Matter march in Thurston uh, that resulted in some uses of force that even if they are determined to be like legal within the letter of the law, um, that it is not a good look when you have a Springfield police officer punching a girl in the face, uh, punching another officer, punching a African-American young man in the temple while that man is being held down on the ground, the concrete, looking like he's being held down by his neck, punching that kid in the temple, and that the chief of police was present at the scene on the other side. So I don't think this, the chief saw that when that happened, but that that's uh, that's unacceptable. Um, whether it's legal or not, it shouldn't happen. And that the new mayor is going to have to reckon with that situation, that you have a police, a Springfield Police Advisory Committee, that to say that it is inept is the greatest understatement. Uh, the counselor liaison to that committee is Counselor Pichonary, who was forced to retire from his job as a Lane County Sheriff Deputy after he stole from the county and the city of Springfield by putting in dual reimbursements. He went on a trip, he got reimbursed from the county and he got reimbursed for the city of Springfield for the same expenses. That is theft and it's wrong. And that, so that's your council leadership on that committee. And otherwise the committee is filled with a bunch of folks who I think that they mean well, but that they have not shown or even been given the opportunity to have any kind of meaningful oversight of police policies um, I'm told that if they get their materials before the meeting at all, they get them either the night before or the morning of the meeting. So they can't even review the policies that they're supposed to be approving or giving feedback on until at the meeting itself. Um, that That's not acceptable. Uh, and so the new mayor is going to have to reckon with all of that. Um, they're also going to have to reckon with some of the division in our community that has been, um, I think that it's been, brought to the surface by um, the murder of George Floyd and the reaction to that. But before George Floyd was even murdered, during the last mayoral campaign, the incumbent was sending out last text messages to everybody on the list saying, Mike Eister is from, he, he has the Eugene Weekly endorsement. He is this other 
I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, he's like an other, right? Like he's not a true Springfielder. And this is not paraphrase that the candidate, the incumbent will protect Springfield culture and values. Who decides what our culture and values are in Springfield? And what does that mean? That that is a racist dog whistle that says these other people want to come and take what you have. And so you vote for me in order to protect that. And that that is a tone of campaigning that I believe is unacceptable. And furthermore, that it exacerbates those divisions so that you see police officers punching girls and boys in the face in Thurston. And then when you look at the comments on Facebook, you see people cheering them on saying, oh, well, they deserved it because they came to that neighborhood. And that that's, that's not okay. No. And then I could, I want to, I need to double check on this and you might know better than me, but the person that was chosen to become the, the police officer to represent Thurston high school is the officer that was punching that kid as he was handcuffed. I, I don't know that for sure. I don't want to say that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, so um, yeah, so that, I mean, it's going to be, the optics of this are going to be very, very difficult because f- with Christine stepping down and like you had talked about before, we don't know yet. We're not trying to speculate on why. I know that there's a lot of stuff going around and a lot of different things. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out more as time goes on, but the optics are going to be difficult for the people that casually pay attention because, uh, you know, recently Isaiah Wagner led the protest that went to Christine Lundberg's house and she came out and, you know, they asked her the, the Isaiah asked her if she could say black lives matter. And she did, but she also said, and all lives matter, you know, and gave kind of a half, half response to it. That's like saying the civil rights movement matters and Jim Crow matters, that both of, both of these things matter and that they are not, they're not able to be reconciled. That saying all lives matter in that, because con- of course all lives matter, right? Like that, that's not why people say black lives matter. Black lives matter too, that we don't have to, we're all white people on this podcast. We don't have to assert that our, we have a dignity and worth and that that is something that is a flashpoint in the community that African-Americans and Latinos and other people of color, um, members of the LGBT community have not been treated fairly and equally historically in our nation and in our community. And so to say that all lives matter as an assertion that is a rebuttal to Black Lives Matter, that that's not, that that, as far as I'm concerned, that that's, I mean, you're not at hate speech yet, but you're walking down that path towards division and towards discrimination. And so I don't like, I don't appreciate that that happened. And yeah. again, like and that, lives, not to speak matter. of the all department matter to me, what that means, sorry to cut you off. All lives matter. What it means to me is business as usual. It's like, Oh no, things are fine the way they are. So let's not, let's not rock the boat. Let's not change anything. And really you're saying that. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing that you're talking about with the quote unquote dog whistles in the last mayoral campaign. It's like, it's a very common thread in Springfield that you'll, that you'll pick up on. Uh, you know, Chris, you're less uh, partisan in this debate uh, or whatnot. So Chris McAllister. So, uh, so let's get your input on, you know, some of the challenges we're going to get to homelessness in a little bit. So mm-hmm. speaking with policing uh, some of the challenges that the next mayor will face and, you know, the first thing that kind of comes to your mind when you look at the situation in regards to policing and the mayor vacancy? Well, (laughs) you'll have to excuse me, but a lot of my examples do have ties back to uh, how our unhoused and displaced peoples are are treated. Officers are often the first responders to some of our unhoused folks. And 
the code and ordinances of our city are what guide their hand and how they respond. So what council leadership, what the mayor feels on certain things is what the direction that the police force takes and what the city and judges take when they are evaluating these types of situations. And so whether it was the fact that during COVID times, when we have stay in place orders, we were still having sweeps. So police officers going and removing unhoused people from public and private uh, uh, places while they're being told to stay in place and while they're being told they can't go to where they normally receive services or get support. So with that in mind, like uh, um, badge cams, they have to really enforce and move forward this uh, request by the budget committee, the support by council and the perceived support from the chief on actually making cameras happening. And not, not next year, not three years from now, but this year, badge cams, help protect our police force. We are a self-insured community, so it helps us actually help with our own liability. It helps hold officers to the standards that we want them to have. We want them to protect and serve. And so with that in mind, that means that they need to be able to be held to their word. We already have a Brady officer. For those who may not know what a Brady officer is, that is a, a term used for an officer who has lost its ability, uh, their ability to... Uh, to uh, give testimony on the court, uh, on the stand without uh, being validated by another officer. And a lot of times, such as in our case, they're mandated to wear a camera. So with that in mind, we already have that set in place in our community. We just need all of our officers to hold that same standard. And then it's not singling out our forces, but holding them to that same standard. I think that when we want to say all Springfield, we want to say we serve all communities, we need to walk that walk. And that means mm -hmm. making sure that our police are treating everyone, whether they are a person of color, whether they are from another country of origin, or whether they are a homeless person or just any, anybody they encounter within our borders, or if they are helping out on another situation in another jurisdiction, as we all often have Springfield Police in Eugene and the greater Lane County area doing assists. We didn't make sure that our values ripple through our force and that we show strongly and a strong mayor who supports those types of situations, who's not afraid to take on the hard questions and go, how do we engage? And how do we get our police force up to the 21st century, up to the moral and ethical standards that we as a community hold all elected officials to, and, and those appointed uh, by those elected officials. Right. You had mentioned uh, body cams and body cams made headlines right before the Black Lives Matter protests mm -hmm. really rose up in Eugene. And jokingly <clears throat> in the barbershop, and these are my words, I'm not attaching this to you guys, <laughs> but, but jokingly, we were joking about the optics, you know, politics a lot of times, especially on a national level, but sure, locally as well, is optics. And mm -hmm. I was saying, like, I wonder if it, it seemed like a strategy that was being made where they're like, okay, we'll put this line item in the budget to remove it. And then we won't remove it. And then it's like problem solved and it's business as usual. All lives matter, <laughs> you know, you know, and so I don't know if that's how it works, but that's how no, that they, I mean, so how that there, that was a little more complicated. That I'm the, sure. budget, I'm the sure. budget committee was very, very adamant about that. We're going to pay for the body cameras this year. And then mm -hmm. when COVID-19 happened, when they, all the departments were asked to submit cuts that Joe Pichonieri and Chief Lewis say, oh, well, we, this big expensive body camera, we could postpone that. And mm -hmm. that we saw, I mean, we saw people like legit rise up, that people went 
to City Hall. Black Unity yeah. came over that there was plenty. I mean, people, people marched. That was the first march in Springfield was because of the body cameras. And, and, mm -hmm. and you know, I think one of the amazing things about Springfield, just in general, um, is that people here listen and that even though we argue during elections and sometimes we argue during the course of policymaking, right? Like once the decision is made and the vote that we all can work together. And mm -hmm. so I, to their credit, the council and the mayor saw the popularity of the body cameras. And so they switched their position and came around, which I don't think switching your position in this case is like something that should be taken as a negative. I think it's just like the ICE contract, seeing mm -hmm. how that people feel this way about it, then we're going to represent our constituents. So that mm -hmm. was, I think, a really like textbook Springfield case of that this is an issue that is deeply felt and felt widely in the community. So we're going to make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it was just really interesting to see that play out and in, in, in over a couple of days. And I mean, like it or not, I know that, you know, for, for people listening, like it or not, but the Black Lives Matter protests have made an impact, have made a difference. You're seeing people get involved. You're seeing accountability and transparency that you haven't in the past, at least attempts at it. You know, uh, Chris Wig, you had mentioned uh, the lack of accountability and transparency with the police advisory committee. There's people like myself that weren't even aware of how this process worked, mm -hmm. you know, before this. And so the conversations that are being had uh, and I'm very open about how much I'm learning. It's like people are like, you should run for mayor. And I'm like, I am so underqualified. It's not even funny. I'm learning. I'm just getting my feet wet, you know, for these kind of things. And I, Chris McAllister and Chris Wig, you both have ran uh, for city council in Lane County and at different times. And, and you're both going to get there, <laughs> you know what I mean? At different points. And so that's, you know, I'm, I'm your biggest cheerleader. So uh, changing gears a little bit. I, but, and still on the topic of the policing, uh, Chris Wig, I want to talk about the $4.0 million settlement for use yeah. of deadly force. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people may not be aware of this. So tell us a little bit about the situation sure. that happened. So this is one of those things that, I mean, this is a huge deal. Um, this is the largest settlement for an unlawful death caused by a police officer in the history of the state of Oregon. So this is a massive deal. And it was, there's a good article about it in the Register Guard, and it was covered, um, I believe, on KEZI and KVAL and stuff. But the, you know, one of the things is as our local news sources have dwindled and the investments in, you know, local journalism, and one, I think, cool uh, thing that's happened that has bucked that trend is the Chronicle opening up an office in Springfield. Uh, the Chronicle has been doing great coverage on a lot of really lo good local issues. So a lot of people don't know about what happened to Stacey Kenny. And uh, Stacey Kenny was a Springfielder who uh, was experiencing some adverse mental health symptoms. Uh, Stacey's parents contacted the Springfield police to say that this is a person who is acting um, in a way that could cause harm to themselves. So put it on the radar of the police department that this is something that had happened. And um, a short time after that, a couple of days after that, that Stacy Kenny was contacted by the police in a vehicle um, and lost, lost their life. Um, that the police officer shot Stacy, I believe five times, three times in the chest and twice in the head um, in the car. And that Stacy also was tased a couple of times. And so, you know, I, I think that this is one of those where um, 
to dispel a lot of the, the myths around it is really important. And so the district attorney did a, uh, did a looked into the case and determined that there was not uh, sufficient evidence to bring criminal charges against the officers. Uh, and that the way I, when I, before I moved to Springfield, I served for five years on the Civilian Review Board in Eugene, which reviews incidents and allegations into police misconduct. And so we look and consider on that board officer involved shootings. And so, you know, I, I know that the bar for an officer involved shooting to merit criminal charges is very high, that it is a um, legal for a police officer to use their power to take someone's life if they have a realistic fear for their safety in, in the moment. So all of the things that happened up to that point don't count for the legal, the criminal code definition. That if, you know, if officers did not take the opportunity to use de-escalation techniques and verbal judo and lower uses of force, things like that, that that doesn't pertain to whether or not a use of force, a deadly force is criminal or not. It's just in that split second moment, does the officer have an ability or have the reasonable uh, concern for their safety? That's something that maybe that should be revisited by the state legislature. And no. I think that some of our legislators believe that, but... That does not mean just because uh, because charges were not brought does not mean that it was okay. And that um, Stacy Kenny's family sued the city of Springfield and the officers involved. And <clears throat> that the end result of that was a settlement for $4.5 million, which again is the largest in the history of Oregon for uh, use of officer involved force. But the money is not the major point. The one major sticking point of the suit was that the Springfield um, police department has to make changes to its policies around use of force, use of deadly force, and use of force reporting. And so from now on, that <clears throat> those at least once a year, the Springfield police will have to present information to the city council in a public meeting <clears throat> about uses of force over the last year. That's something that they should already be doing. And I can't, I can't imagine why they haven't been. In Eugene, that happens every year. Um, and that they need to clarify how are in how are uh, investigations into allegations of misconduct and involve outside agencies when uh, when appropriate? And so, you know, the mayor after this incident in Thurston, the mayor had said, "We will contact will contract with an outside agency to do a use of force." Well, on the Springfield Police Advisory Committee, the Michael Bean, who is full disclosure, Michael Bean is my boss. So I, you know, I. Um, agree with him generally in most things. Um, but, you know, he asked them at the meeting, so has that happened yet? Has, have you, well, no, we haven't. Well, so have you at least identified who is going to do it? No, we haven't. I, well, when are you going to do it? Like, when are you going to investigate this? It just happened. Like, you got to strike while the iron is hot. And right. so it's, it's not acceptable that, um, it is not acceptable that we have not moved forward on that. And that, I think that it is, I, you know, I don't want to speak for Stacey Kenny's family. I think that, that they may be great guests for a future podcast. But I think that, you know, as communicated in the Register Guard uh, by the family's attorney, that one of the legacies of this tragic death could be a change to the way that, um, you know, use of force and use of deadly force is happens in Springfield, that de-escalation has to at least be attempted before the police can beat people up or shoot them. And right. so I think that, that that is, you know, 
what the family wants the legacy of the situation to be. Um, that will not ever replace their loved one, but that that's a positive moving forward um, that is not, I think, not about the money. Well, it's like you said, you know, we can't speak for the family and, and you're right. I, I, I do think that I'm going to try to make that happen as far as uh, having the family on as guests. Now, you know, you can't speak for the family, but I can definitely say, what is justice? You know, people want justice when something like this happens. And if it's a civilian that takes someone's life, what is justice? That person is taken off the street so they can't do it again to someone else. So money, well, not one, any amount of money is going to replace a loved one, but there's no justice if the person is still maybe gets fired. You know, that's the end of it. Now there's this whole justice for canon argument. You've seen these memes and stuff, and this is not about Springfield, so I won't go on it too long. But the difference is the person that did the crime was taken to justice immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how this is different than, you know, the police taking the George Floyd situation or, or Breonna Taylor, you know, all these different things. And so, I mean, it just needs to be said. There's so many memes sent made for misinformation that are designed to just business as usual, business as usual. Let's not rock the boat, you know, and that's the thing that that we can't we can't have. Uh, Chris McAllister, uh, you know, you had mentioned a little bit earlier about homelessness and the effects um, that this mayor vacancy is going to have on homelessness in Lane County and, and in Eugene and Springfield. Uh, you wanted to speak a little bit about the subcommittee, uh, subcommittee of poverty and homelessness board that something big had happened. Christine Lundberg as the mayor of Springfield had kind of joined this subcommittee. Speak mm -hmm. on this a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. And so how, Basically, our call to action for the viewers and listeners, pay attention to what happens in the coming weeks, who gets appointed, and pay attention to make sure that this is still happening. So tell us about that subcommittee and what that, what that entails. Sure. Well, uh, thank you. A um, couple weeks ago, um, the Shelter Committee, the Shelter Stakeholder Committee, this is the subcommittee that advises the county and the partner communities on uh, what steps we're trying to do in regards to sheltering our less uh, fortunate and those who have barriers to getting shelter. And so um, Springfield has been on the Poverty and Homelessness Board, represented by Councilor Van Gordon for the past couple of years, but uh, hadn't been involved with the TAC report, which you may have heard a lot about, which is uh, helping the county and Eugene kind of figure out how it wants to tackle homelessness over the next five years. And there's parts for Springfield to have uh, kind of tied into, but uh, Springfield kind of does its own thing as we... Uh, often show and so uh um last month uh the mayor of springfield joined um formally the uh the shelter stakeholder committee so um the mayor of eugene uh forwarded it uh, i had the uh, uh honor to be able to second and she became a sitting member a voting member of this committee this committee is the one that's going to be tackling and making suggestions to our county about what options are actually working and what we might want to try and pursue to make shelter a priority in these next few years for all of Lane County. Now we have some rural communities that don't get a whole lot of love and a lot of these solutions. Um, a lot of the times things come and stop in Eugene and Springfield has always been a strong voice of trying to fight uh, to expand that bubble. Just like we outside of Portland always have to fight to be remembered. Uh, Springfield has a strong independent streak. And so the mayor joining in this meeting showed that Springfield is able to uh, bring its independence, but also work to the greater, greater plan. And so I really hope that whoever um, replaces uh, Mayor Lundberg is able to follow up on this work. 
a lot of people don't realize that Mayor Lundberg in her uh, last uh, few years has been really championing a uh, youth shelter and has been one of the big supporters for what's happening out on MLK in regards to a youth pod being created. Families and uh, fa uh, homeless families, homeless families with youth, homeless youth, and homeless veterans have been uh, areas where she has been a very loud and strong advocate and supporter of. And when Springfield uh, was asked to help pay for, for those ideas or help support those or offer space for them, Springfield was able under her leadership to, uh, to put uh, places in, in up, up for consideration for those types of things. Um, whereas not so much a strong uh, voice for the homeless singles, um, homeless couples, she did when shown during the, our crises of COVID and through even winter, she went the extra mile to try and find space and uh, serve those hardest to help. Because just because we open up the doors for somebody doesn't mean that those shelter options are, are actually accessible to our unhoused. Our unhoused face a very wide range of needs and supports and not every organization is set up to handle every need. And so juggling this has been hard, trying to keep our communities, our business sector, and our local residents happy while also helping people who have no other options and who are Springfielders first and foremost. One thing that Madam Mayor did bring is that she was one, before Steve Moe, she was the only one on Springfield City Council who was born and raised Springfield. Now, we are open to visitors. We are open to people of different backgrounds, of different origins, and of different uh, uh, pathways. But there's also needs to be a voice representative somewhere in that discussion about what it's been like to go through our schools, what it's been like to try and get your job and lose your job here in Springfield, and what it is it like to be engaging with Springfield police from the time you're 16 to the time you're 30. And so I felt that she was, when all else failed, that strong voice for what is it like to be from Springfield. Right. You know, I didn't grow, I wasn't born here in Springfield, but I mm -hmm. moved here when I was 11. Mm -hmm. So I have seen it through every transformative year of my life. Uh, mm -hmm. and the 10 years, Chris, I'm going to have you talk, Chris Wig, I'm going to have you talk on 10 years in, with her in leadership. But in the past 10 years, anyone can agree that by the optics of Springfield, this town has improved greatly. I mean, I did a full podcast with uh, Zach Bissett that that's the whole, the whole point of the show was basically we were going to talk about, wow, I mean, it's really gone. There's been so many different improvements. Now, it's very important to, to make this point. The mayor, people, the mayor is not, this is not an authoritarian situation. The mayor is handcuffed on how much they can mm -hmm. actually do. The city council has a lot more sway and a lot more power. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the last 10 years, leadership in Springfield has done a good job. 10 plus years, you know. I know some of the, some of the bringing in new businesses to, to the Main Street area, cleaning up some of the, the problem businesses was something that was really big. I mean, anything as simple, Zach and I had talked about uh, traffic lights in, in Thurston, you know, or crosswalks in Thurston that, you know, how much of an impact that that has had on saving lives. But Chris Wig, I know you wanted to touch on this at least. So over the last 10 years, I know you said your politics don't align. So I guess my question would be in the past, there has been positive marks on what she was doing. Mm -hmm. What would you expect and want in the next, in the successor to continue that path? Oh, I think that there's huge 
<clears throat> positives uh, that we are, you know, starting, you know, the transformation really started when Bill Morissette was mayor, um, that that's when the real transformation began. And that Springfield has, you know, it's not just the mayor and it's not just the city council that we are fortunate that our congressman, Peter DeFazio, has uh, came up as the county commissioner from Springfield and then went to the United States Congress and has been there to champion for us for over 30 years, um, that we have had strong leaders on the county commission and in the state legislature, like Bill Dwyer, like Bill Morissette, um, especially Senator Lee Beyer um, is one to just call out, but also uh, Terry Beyer, John Lively, uh, that there have been, we've had a really, I think a, a wealth of just strong leaders that um, other cities, the size of Springfield and Oregon, not to say this as a negative against those cities, but more as a testament to Springfield, that Springfield, um, and some of those people grew up in Springfield, some of them did not, but Springfield, I think, attracts people who are, that, that get that Springfield difference, that Springfield way of working together, that we don't mm -hmm. want to get into trench warfare against each other because I didn't win a vote on this or my candidate didn't win. It's more that we're, it's bigger than that. It's about the mm -hmm. future of the community. And, you know, Mayor Lumberg deserves the credit for a lot of things. She deserves her part of the credit for bringing uh, Peace Health, Riverbend, making that happen for the first expansion of MX, the up to Gateway, past Riverbend, that those are huge wins. Um, and so I think that, that that's, I think that that's really awesome. And sure. so the next mayor is going to, you know, pick up that mantle. And yeah, there's that, you know, we talked about some of the division. We haven't really talked about resolving the situation of the indoor track. Um, that that's going to be a big one about um, how that is going to move forward. Uh, it looks like it's not going to move forward in the location where they had originally had the idea, but that, you know, that picking up that and to just take a step back from the track, the Glenwood redevelopment piece, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, Glenwood is the most logical place in Lane County to build affordable housing um, that based on the land values, the current, um, the, the current kind of setup and that there are, is a way to move forward in Glenwood that makes it a, uh, you know, vibrant and inclusive community. And there's a way to move forward in Glenwood that would cause gentrification and displacement of people who frankly cannot afford to live anywhere else. Right. And so that, that I think is going to be the number one, um, the number one thing on the next mayor's, uh, their kind of to-do list. And I also think, you know, downtown has got a lot of love and that I was just with uh, a good friend yesterday um, who's not from Springfield and we went for a social distancing hike at Mount Pisgah. Uh, sorry, Willamalane, we're, we promised to go to Doris Ranch next time, but we were at Mount Pisgah and we were talking. He says that downtown Springfield on Main Street is the best place to go in Lane County. That yeah. outright is what he said. Sure. For sure. I, this is a person who would know. Um, and so I, you know, I feel pretty confident in that person's opinion, but, you know, downtown is awesome. And now we have Mohawk to make it awesome. Mm -hmm. We have, um, you know, the, the Paramount to make it awesome. That Thurston has, you know, a lot of things going for it downtown and like the, the section office Centennial in West Springfield has a lot going for it. That's where the wealthy white people live. And so now 
in the middle of Springfield where everybody else lives, that we have some work to do there to make those parts of Springfield just as awesome as the part, the other parts. So I, I'm excited to hopefully I, I would like to help in whatever way um, I'm able to. Yeah. You know, it's going to be really, it's going to be really telling over the next couple of weeks. How quick do you think a decision uh, is going to be made? You know, like, I guess, so we had kind of to reiterate and then we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, Joe Pish is going to be put in for an interim interim situation. So he'll, he'll be holding that. And then how long is the process going to take, you know, before we're going to know candidates and is it, and do you think it'll be public? I guess, uh, Chris Wig, I'm asking you. So I, I don't know. I hope that it's public. Um, so the, as I understand it, the city council is meeting tomorrow, but only to talk about a property transaction that they're not going to discuss this tomorrow. And the first time that it will be discussed at council is on the 8th of September. And that's according to something that Sean Van Gordon posted on Facebook. So I don't, that's not confirmed yeah. in an official email. And that's just what I'm seeing on Facebook right now. If it's and on so Facebook. I imagine that on that day, they will discuss what is the process going to be and that my hope is if anybody listening lives in Springfield, I would encourage you to email and call the mayor and the city councilors and the manager. Well, I guess the mayor. So contact the city councilors and tell the, them the mayor's office still exists. You know, tell them that you would like to have an open process, transparent public process to decide who that next person is going to be. And that I, I mean, I will be writing to my city councilor, Sherry Moore, and the rest of the councilors that my hope is that they will not restrict consideration only to current councilors and yeah. that they will open that up to any Springfielder who wants to serve. Um, I think, I mean, maybe you don't have to interview every single person, but anybody who wants to serve should have the opportunity to apply, um, to make their interests known. It's a public position. Everybody should get a chance. And uh, my hope is that that's what they'll do. I think with the current landscape of, with Zoom calls like this, everybody has gotten more comfortable with the technology. So I don't understand why we can't have all hearings and all committee meetings public, you know, public information. I, I mean, I don't see a reason that that the city council's discussions, I know that there's some things behind the scenes probably that the plans would make people go crazy here in the planning and whatnot. But I don't know. I'm very, I'm all for transparency. You know, well, most of them are like the city council is meeting on. Zoom. Um, I don't know what sub is doing. The school board is meeting on go to meetings. Willamette Lane is still meeting in person, but we have a call in option. So anybody can call in. We don't have video conferencing because we're usually all in the same room, but anybody can. It's still a public meeting. You can call into the meeting and people on the line can give public comment during the comment period. Now, where's, uh, the, where's the best resource to find those links or those phone numbers? I mean, where's the best place? Is, I, I mean, all of them are on the website of the jurisdiction that you look up, you know, for Willamette Lane, you look up Willamette Lane board meeting, sub board meeting, uh, you know, Springfield School District 19 board meeting. And it tells you when the meetings are and that they have to generally release the agenda ahead of time. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the laws are in that, but they, they do release the agenda ahead of time. It has the call in information on it. Mm -hmm. Chris attends and, a lot more public meetings than I do. What do you think? Well, sub does do it on uh, digital. We just had, uh, I'm on their budget committee. Um, so uh, we uh, did our, ours via the uh, uh, zoom uh, process. Um, there is a website. A lot of times Facebook will project, a lot of it, KPW and uh, the weekly also announce a lot of the meetings. Um, the Chronicle has been really good at covering some of the meetings as well. And so uh, shout out to them as a source to figure out when the meetings are happening.
No, but yes, I think almost everything. The Chronicle, is it just called The Chronicle or is it Springfield? Yeah, it's uh, chronicle1909.com. Yep. Okay. Springfield Cottage Grove Press File. Nice. Awesome. I'm going to have to follow that one for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been really cool. You know, it's really, thank you. And, and full disclosure, we started planning this episode at noon. So this, this was definitely uh, impromptu. Uh, you were the first two people that popped into my head because you're, you're both very politically active and also really approachable. That's one of the things that I love about both of you is how you're doing this work and you want feedback. You want feedback from your local residents, you know? So it's really cool to, to get to know you and build a relationship with both of you. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see how, you know, how this whole situation plays out. And I think that everybody needs to be paying attention and there needs to be transparency. It's going to be a very difficult job to be the mayor of Springfield moving forward because the business as usual stuff that we, that I had mentioned before, that's a thing of the past. There's too many people active now. And that's good, actually, that now you actually have to, to do some work. Now, is Springfield's mayor a f- uh, volunteer position or is there a stipend? It's a volunteer position. With an $85 approximate stipend for uh, cell phone and parking. Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing that makes it difficult. And I would resign as well if I was in her shoes. No, no, but... We'll find out. Hopefully her health is good. I don't want to speculate or say anything like that. You know, sometimes when these things happen, it can be family health and that obviously in a health crisis and a pandemic, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap it up. So goals for the, in, in three words, three words, <laughs> goals for the next mayor of Springfield, Chris Wig. Uh, bring everyone together. Ooh, good. Chris McAllister. Hi. Um, see here. Uh, access, COVID, and uh, progress. All right. I'm going to go with balance, transparency, and trust. So thanks, guys. This is really awesome. This is kind of a weird uh, way to end this. I dug and dug. I was looking at just what song I was going to play, and I couldn't find anything that fit specifically. And so since we're recording this at night, I think I'm going to drop this episode on audio tonight and video in the morning. So this won't make any sense for that either. I did find this song that I had forgot I even made called Goodbye, Goodnight. Yeah, Goodbye, Goodnight from my first crew, The Antidote. So I'm going to end it with that. Chris Wig, Chris McAllister, thank you guys for doing this on short notice. I appreciate your insight and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Have a great one. Yeah, you too. So this is The Antidote, my first ever crew with Goodbye, Goodnight.
Would end up in a fight The pillow talk was better before we had sex Our time and understanding was very complex Loving you was easy, even through the night Though every conversation would end up in a fight The pillow talk was better before we had sex Our time and understanding was very complex With all the hours in your bed There's no more time for sleeping in This has been, this has been, except 